Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey there, Solar Warrior, and welcome to episode number 250 of Suncast. I can hardly believe we're at 250 episodes and many of you have stuck with me from episode one. I'm so honored to call you part of the tribe and uh, Suncast faithful, and I am continually evolving what we're doing here at Suncast. If you're paying attention, then you'll recognize that today's guest was actually last week's keynote for the Suncast Summit. If you missed the summit, then you should check it out. We're having another full day of sessions from 8 a.m. Pacific to about 2 p.m. Pacific tomorrow, the 29th. And you can find out more at suncastsummit.com. Click on register. That'll take you to the Hey Summit page. Hope you'll join us. We're going to be also rolling out a full day on Latin America on May 6th. Well, today's guest is a innovator, an entrepreneur, a thought leader, the chief revolution officer and president of the DeJulius Group. He's also the founder and president of John Roberts Spa. I talk about all that as soon as we jump into the episode, so I'm not going to go into huge detail. This guy is the leading expert on how to build your relationships and also how to build a customer service revolution. Stick around. I promise you are not going to regret this investment of 40 minutes of your life. If you want to learn how to make price irrelevant, you are in the right place. Without further ado, I give you John DeJulius. Buckle up for a fun ride as we dive into another episode of Suncast. So I want to take a moment here and introduce today's keynote speaker, Mr. John DeJulius. John, I'm going to go ahead and bring you in. Good to see you, John. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nico. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give a shout out to your friend and mine, Mr. Joe Tassone from Above Grid for connecting us and for being such an amazing advocate for not only the work that John is doing, but for the embodiment of customer service and the relationship economy. Joe, as a very recent guest on Suncast, has been one of the folks that has impressed me with his follow-up and his dedication to building strong relationships. So if you haven't listened to Joe Tassone's episode on Suncast, I would encourage you to go listen to what it sounds like when a professional delivers on the idea of customer service and delivers on the notion of how to transition from one industry to another, that being telecom, over to clean energy. So I want to take a second, John, and just introduce you. John, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is the owner and president and chief revolution officer of the DeJulius Group. But he's also the founder, president, and owner of John Roberts Spa, which has been named one of the top 20 salons in America with multiple locations and over 150 employees. And he uses those salons as a living laboratory to find his theories, test them, and deploy them through his world-class books. It's been a true pleasure for me 
to get to dig into this book, The Relationship Economy, and led to inviting John to come and speak to you all as the keynote for the summit today. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over, John, to you. And we're going to have John spend a little bit of time here going over his, I'll call it theory of change, how you can lock in the skills that will transform your life and those around you, and how you can learn really to be a key contributor to the relationship economy. John, take it away. Thank you, Nico. Hello, Suncast Media Nation. It is a privilege to be here, and I want to jump into it. Today's illiterate are those who have an inability to make a meaningful connection with others. There's a seismic shift happening in the world today, long before the COVID crisis. And that shift is its technology has been changing the world, not always for the better. For all the benefits technology is bringing to business, coming at a significant cost. And that cost is weaker human relationships that are vital, customer experience, employee experience, and personal happiness. And all COVID did, the quarantine did, was enhance that. Everyone now wants to be human connections are at the highest point they've ever been in 30 or 40 years. And so businesses and professionals have to realize and find a way to marry the digital revolution with the human interaction. And make no mistake about it, technology is not the enemy. Use it to eliminate the human experiences. So we've seen for the past 15, 20 years, the businesses have gone to a high-tech, low-touch, or in a lot of cases, no-touch experience. And it's come at a significant cost. Investing in your customer experience is by far the greatest investment you can in any economy. But let's look at the Watermark Group study that they did Back in the Great Recession, one of the worst economic times in the past 50 years, 2007 to 2009, where they looked at three groups, the customer experience laggard in all industry, the bottom 10% compared to the S&P 500, compared to the customer experience leaders, the top 10%. And during 2007 to 2009, the Great Recession, customer experience laggards, as you can see, had a negative 57% return, while the S&P 500 had a negative 16%. During that same time period, the customer experience leaders had a positive 6%. So your customer experience is the greatest investment during any economy. So let's find out what a relationship economy truly is. It is where the primary currency is the emotional connection made with customers, employees, and vendors that result in your organization becoming the brand customers can't live without, thus making price irrelevant. So I love that term. You can make price relevant. Now, what making price irrelevant doesn't mean is that you can charge 50% more or even 25% more than everyone else and not lose existing or potential customers. What making price irrelevant does mean is based on the experience your brand consistently delivers. Your customers have no idea what your competition charges because they trust you so well. So as Nico said, my first business that we started nearly 30 years ago has turned into a chain of upscale salons and spas in Northeast Ohio. Now, Northeast Ohio, Cleveland is not LA, New York, Miami, right? London. The average haircut in Cleveland is $32 for a woman. Okay. Now you go to those cities I mentioned, it could be $150 to $300. Now, John Roberts Spa 
our least expensive haircut for a woman, for a designer that just went through training, is $50. And we have many hairdressers well over $100, some up to $130. And their first opening, when we're normally open, you have to wait three weeks to three months for the first opening. Okay. So we are a premium and like your industry, we're a luxury item that people don't have to have, or at least not at that level. Now I will tell you several years ago in one of our locations, a salon four doors down from us, put this sign in their window. We do $10 haircuts. And my staff started panicking. They said, Oh my God, we're going to get run out of business. We got to start running promotions, discounts. And I said, absolutely not. We don't play those games right? Let's focus on the experience we deliver. Let's focus on the promise. Let's raise the bar, be more consistent. And then we put this sign in our window. We fix $10 haircuts. Okay. And about six to eight months later, that salon went out of business. So don't get to sucked into someone else's game if it's not your game. None of my businesses choose to compete in price wars. We compete in experience wars. Because there's a lot less competition and they don't do it nearly as well as us. Now, I do believe in price match guarantee. Now, if you're paying attention, that should sound like I'm contradicting myself, right? Make price irrelevant, but price match guarantee. This is what I mean by price match guarantee. This is what I want everyone listening, watching to think and, and all your employees to think and have this type of attitude. We are the ultimate experts and experienced leaders at what we do. And we will not be oversold. In fact, if you can find it higher somewhere else, we will raise our price and match it, right? Total paradigm shift. Don't apologize for your price. Don't shrink. You'd be proud of what you charge. And when someone comes to you or anyone on your team and says, how much do you charge? And then the next thing they're going to say is, wait, I can get it cheaper, 10%, 15%, somewhere else. Don't shrink. The way you answer that, the way you address that has to be so articulate. I love when people talk to me about price, right? They are consulting, whatever it may be, because after I'm done explaining what they get, peace of mind, expertise, they walk away thinking, holy cow, I can't afford to go cheaper. My favorite quote to this is, discounting is a tax you pay for being average. Okay. Let me give you some real specifics that you can take back. So I know that listening, watching, we have some vendors, manufacturers on this. And if you're in the B2B realm, this is really up your alley. I love using the metaphor, are you and your client's bomb shelter, right? Are you and your CEO's bomb shelter, and meaning the CEO of your best client? So we all have a metaphor bomb shelter. If we were going to get bombed tonight... All right, we have personal and we have a professional. That personal bomb shelter is where we'll take our significant other and on most days, all your children, right? Think about your professional bomb shelter. Think about your client's professional bomb shelter. They only have room for two, maybe three vendor partners. How secure are you that they are having a spot for you where they can't fathom running a business without you in it? So here's how we become a partner our clients can't live without. You love what you do and you make it obvious. You are so passionate about what you do, who you do it for, who you do it with. And you're excited and they can feel that every time they interact with you. Your client should never meet anyone smarter at what you do than you. Go ugly early, right? That means if you got bad news, you tell them. Be transparent. 
you tell them, you open with, and then go to the options and how you can fix it or make it right or the other options. Be a resource broker. You are critical to your client is if they think of you first for anything, okay? So if you go to the DeJulius Group, all we do is customer experience. We turn down 30 40% of leads because it might be for sales. It might be for social media. It might be for leads. We don't do any of that. But our clients come to us for introductions to people that know how. That's great. We want our clients to think of us first to know that while we don't do that, they know we know someone that does. You be a resource broker. Be as committed to the success of your clients as they are. You should know your client's top three goals for this year, even unrelated to what you do for them. All right. And trust me, those top three goals have changed in the past six weeks. Educate versus sell, especially during these times. Don't be just, you know, marketing your wares, right? Be a resource for your client. See what they need. Help them. But educate. Educate, educate, educate. And one of the best examples I have to this is I love technology. I'm kind of a geek, and I have to have devices as soon as they come out. It's kind of a sickness for me. So years ago, I had the iPad, and the iPad 2 came out. I had FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. I was like, oh, my God, there are some gadget bells and whistles I don't have. So I ran to the Apple store, and when I walk in, the concierge says, how can I help you? I say, I have the iPad. I want the iPad 2. And all he had to do was hand me the box, take my credit card, and I would have left. He didn't do that. He says, let me ask you, what do you use your iPad for? What do I use it for? I do everything. I use it for emails. And I use it for reading my Kindle book and articles and headline news, social media. I list all the things. He says, do you watch movies? I said, not on my iPad. He goes, do you play video games? I go, no, never. He goes, forget about it. I said, what? Just forget about it. He goes, the only difference between the iPad and the iPad the graphic design. And if you don't play games and watch movies, it's not worth it. I was like, dude, come on. I swear I'll start playing games. Sell me the iPad too. But I will tell you that he wasn't interested in just selling. He was interested in educating. And as a result, I have bought anything he's ever recommended because of that. Same thing in my arena. We will talk certain clients out of going, you know, consulting or, or different things. Because we know it won't work for them based on what they're selling. We'll send them somewhere else or with us, but a smaller ticket item because that's what they really need. And it always comes back to benefit us. Your customers should not be able to imagine a world without you and your business in it. So the whole crux of the relationship economy book is really based on this. Meet a stranger, leave his friends. And I did a TED Talk. And it's nine minutes and 31 seconds. And this is the title. I encourage you to Google it and show it to your your team members. Show it to your kids. Okay. And here's what it's about. There is no greater skill any of us could work at and have in the world than the ability to build an instant rapport with others, whether that be an acquaintance, client, coworker, or total stranger. Okay. But we're relationship disadvantaged. We're living in a touchscreen age. Every generation, not just millennials, every generation is losing the social skills that we once had. So how do we get them back? The first thing is we have to train ourselves and our families and our coworkers that everyone we come in contact with has an invisible sign above their head that says, make me feel important. Okay? Now, Stephen Covey once said, people don't listen with the intent of understanding they listen with the intent of replying. I'm sure everyone agrees with that. Scientists study the human brain 
And they found that it takes the human brain a minimum of 0.6 seconds to formulate a response to something said to it. Then they studied hundreds, thousands of conversations, and found the average gap between people talking was 0.2 seconds. One third the time our brain will allow us, we're responding. Why? Because we aren't listening. We're just waiting for someone to come up for air. So what do we do? The first thing we got to do is remember that the greatest gift we can give anyone, our clients, our coworkers, our family, is the gift of our attention. Okay? We got to be able to give that. Now, we are all genetically coded to be preoccupied with what's going on in our, our world. So that's something we got to fight against. And so anytime you come in contact with anyone, a client, someone you've never met before, the way you can prove to you and anyone else that you built a relationship is that you have to know two or more things that they're Ford, F-O-R-D. If you know two or more things, if anyone's Ford, you not only built a relationship, you own the relationship, okay? Because to each of us, Ford is our hot buttons. F stands for family. Are they married? Do they have kids? How old are their kids? What activities are their kids into? Occupation. What do they do? Who do they do it for? What's their title? How long they've been doing it? R, R might be a lot of people's most hottest button. What do they like to do with their free time, right? Recreation. Are they runners? Do they like hot yoga? Do they coach Little League? Whatever that might be. And then B, dream. What are their dreams? What is on their bucket list? What's their dream vacation? What's their encore performance. People don't remember what you said as much as how you made them feel. You got to make people feel something. Now for hundreds of years, ABC and business always meant always be closing. Not anymore. ABC stands for always be connecting. Okay. You got to always be connecting with people. And the last piece I'll share with you, and then I'll throw it back to Nico and, and for some questions here, is how to be a great listener. We need to have fierce attention. And what fierce attention is when we're talking to others is if you ask a question and don't ask two to three follow-up questions, odds are you weren't listening. You want to have a four to one question asked versus answered ratio. And, and we got to don't defend your ideas, explore new ones. So one myth about being a great listener is that you need to be a sponge, right? Where you just listen and you don't interrupt. And every so often you say, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, they say that's not being a great listener, okay? Being a great listener is being a trampoline where you take their ideas and you, you return it and you ask more questions, you heighten their energy and get deeper with it. I'm going to jump to a couple last slides here. Single biggest factor contributing to where we are today remains the relationships we've acquired over our lifetime. I'm sure everyone would agree with that. Where we are today and where we'll be in 10 years, and where we'll be on our deathbed comes down to the relationships we've acquired. And there's two things that pop up on my phone. Well, there's a lot of things that pop up on my phone, but there's two things specifically, one at 10 p.m. and one at 6 a.m. The 10 p.m., this is a text that pops up as a reminder, and it says, how many people had a better day as a result of coming in contact with me? And I really try to do an audit with that. And then the first thing that pops up every morning at 6 a.m. is act as if today is the day you will be remembered for how you treat others. I love that. Act as if today is the day you will be remembered for how you treat others. All right, Warriors. So you know that high demand charges can ruin a good commercial solar cell. But what if you could offer your clients 30% in demand charge savings 
at a tenth, that's right, a tenth the cost of installing a battery. You can now do that with DemandX, a new demand charge reduction software from Extensible Energy. Check it out at extensibleenergy.com and read the three case studies on how DemandX significantly reduced demand charges and increased ROI without batteries. As a Suncast listener, you can also get a free demand charge analysis at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. What do you have to lose? Crunch the numbers and see for yourself how Extensible Energy's inexpensive DemandX software is a win-win for you and your commercial solar clients. John, amazing to hear from the author himself. I've been reading through your books on the recommendation of our friend Joe, and I am I'm encouraged, but I'm also really intrigued by the way that you've described and outlined how to leverage your relationships to engage customers. One of the things that we're all experiencing right now is this disruption of our day-to-day lives, the disruption of our ability to be in front of customers. And it's not unlike the digital disruption that we've seen over the last decade that no doubt has interrupted the way that you do business day-to-day from scheduling to a plethora of other ways that you have to interact with customers. What parallels do you see between how digital disruption has changed business and the way that we need to respond now during this crisis and be moving beyond it to really engage well? Listen, the digital revolution has been the fastest growing component in business over the last 10 years. And now as a result of this quarantine, it's going to grow 10 times exponentially. And even the resistant adopters, the people that were technologically challenged have learned how to do things. And they've learned that, hey, I don't need to go to the grocery store or to the pharmacy. And this drop-off pickup is pretty convenient. And so there's certain things that will remain afterwards. And so all this does mean as service providers, professionals, we have to meet our clients where they want to be. And so virtual, this is something that we've been doing three years that people are just getting these Zoom calls. So in my world at the DeJulius Group, for three years, I've had a steadfast internal policy that you are not allowed to have a conference call with anyone, okay? Meaning it has to be a Zoom call. Because a conference call, if I'm buying from you or you're buying from me or you're a client, whatever that relationship is, you're a voice. And a voice is different. Now, when I get Nico on the phone and I see how handsome he is, I like his glasses. I, you see a lot of information behind him in his office. You know, it might be a vacation. It might be his diploma. All right. So now you start collecting Ford. He's smiling. You're on stage. I'm on stage. We can't multitask. And I also will tell you the real reason, besides all those benefits, if I'm on a conference call, not a video, I'll start multitasking. I'll pick up my phone and see that my son's asking for something. He's asking for twice. I'll start responding. I said, no. Meanwhile, you tell me, you know, I said, Nico, what are you doing this weekend? He said, yeah, well, uh, you know, my great grandmother passed away. We got to go to her funeral. I'll be like, that's great. Nico, have a good time. Totally being obvious that I wasn't paying attention. So I like being on video because it keeps me on stage, honest and paying attention. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny. I was just sharing. I have so many friends reach out and say, hey, man, I know you've been working remotely and doing these Zoom calls every day. What equipment should I be using and how do I make this work? And I think that because technology has become so prevalent in our lives, we often trip over it. 
right? Instead of recognizing that all of our computers have a microphone and a camera, maybe it's not the best, but got to jump in and take that first step. And it really is key to jump in and show your clients or your prospects that you're willing to engage on a face-to-face level. There's nothing to hide. I think that's one thing that's really important. We're in the clean energy business and promoting the reduction of greenhouse gas and affecting climate change. And I think that it's one of the great ironies of our business that as many executives fly as they do, that we all gather in remote places around the world at trade shows instead of deploying these types of technologies. You mentioned for the uninitiated who hasn't read your book, they may not immediately catch the subtleness of how you just introduced some of the Ford concepts. You look behind me, you see pictures I have on the wall. Can you help unpack for the uninitiated this concept of family, occupation, recreation, and dreams as a framework for capturing data that can allow you to build rapport with your customers? And what are the tools and methods for collecting and retrieving that information? Yeah, I mean, listen, if they're existing clients, it obviously a CRM system is great. You know, Salesforce, we've never come across a CRM system that doesn't allow customization of adding Ford to it. You don't need us. You can do that. So before I have a call with Nico, Lindsay from my team may have been communicating with Nico and she updates anything that she hears that he's from a Southern California or this or this. And then I can pull that up and build a relationship. And listen, it's so easy today. Like we have a nevers and always list and an always list. And it sounds so simple, but, you know, five minutes, 15 minutes before you get a call, you check them out on LinkedIn and you're going to find something you have in common, right? You went to the same school, you both belong to EO or YPO or whatever it is, but you can really start going, hey, Joe, I see you went to Syracuse. I know a couple good friends that went there and really liked it, whatever that may be. But, you know, this is building emotional connection. You're not just a transaction. You're not just a salesperson trying to dip into my wallet. And you start building a relationship. And the, people like to buy from people they like. Otherwise, you better be the cheapest. Yeah, my friend Scott Sullivan ingrained in my head years ago. People buy from those they know, like, and trust, right? And building that trust is akin to, as you talk about often throughout the book, the relationship economy, this notion of building rapport. You know, one of the things that you say in the book that sticks out to me, there's a couple that I want to sort of dig down on. The first is you say that the quality of an organization's customer service comes down to one thing, and that's the service aptitude of every employee you have. I'm curious, not only who you might point to that does this well, that sort of down selection, But how do you define this idea of service aptitude and get that ingrained into the culture in your company? Yeah, and that's it. This is the foundation of how good any company department team is at customer service comes down to one thing and one thing only. The average service aptitude from the CEO to the warehouse maintenance, newest employee that's going to be starting next week. And service aptitude is a person's ability to recognize opportunities to exceed customers' expectations regardless of the circumstances. Now, that's not a paradigm shift. Here's the paradigm shift, is where service aptitude comes from. Most people think it's innate, it's it's soft skills, it's common sense. That's the farthest thing from the truth. And if you think about all of us on this right now, our service aptitude got shaped from three primary places. The first is previous life experiences. 
And most of us and most of our employees and customers didn't grow up staying at five-star resorts our whole lives, driving Mercedes-Benz when we turned 16, and flying first class. Okay, So we didn't have those experiences. But the moment we got out of school and we started working, we were expected to give those type of experience to clients, guests, patients, tenants, whatever they may be. And it's not realistic. I didn't know what world-class looked like at 21. You wouldn't want my world-class experience. The second place service apps you get shaped is previous work experiences. And unless we have a direct pipeline to former Carlton, Chick-fil-A, Disney employees, which none of us do, that means most of our employees and future employees have worked somewhere else that wasn't world-class, which means they were probably brainwashed. They were brainwashed by their boss saying, listen, young Nico, our customers are out to take advantage of us, and it's your job not to let them. And 19-year-old Nico says, okay, and he does what he's told. Well, now we hire Nico because he's a really nice kid, and you know he smiles. But the next thing we know is he's treating our platinum VIP client like he's a crook, like he's trying to get away with something. It's not Nico's fault, right? So we can't control those first two things, previous life experience, previous work experiences. The only thing we can control as a leader or as a company is number three, what we do with them after they get hired. And that's that service aptitude training, not just technical, not just operational, not frequently asked questions, but how to build empathy, how to show compassion, how to make a brilliant comeback when we drop the ball. Yeah, I love that. And it does come back down to that company culture and not assuming that the folks on your team already know how to deliver that world-class service. The things that you most often point to are ways the Ritz-Carlton and others have as a part of the fabric of their business to train their employees and to bring them up to provide that level of service. Another thing that you pointed out is that this notion, and I'll point out there's one example that I can think of off the top of my head of this sort of position in the renewables industry, but you said the one thing that the best customer service companies do differently is that they have executive leadership on customer experience. And that most notably shows up now as the customer experience officer. A mentor of mine, John Bonanno, is the customer experience officer at New Energy Nexus with Danny Kennedy over in Oakland. And that was the first time I came face to face with this idea that there was someone whose job was to herald the customer's experience, the way that your product is delivered and the way that the customer receives it. Can you give a little bit more flesh on how the customer experience officer role is changing the face of customer service? Yeah, the, the fastest growing C-suite position in the last 10 years is the CXO, chief experience officer. Some people call it the CCO, chief customer officer. Doesn't matter what it is. But if you think about every business, every industry out there, we all have the same things in common, right? And, and the same disciplines and dynamics of our business, right? We have operations, which is usually head up by a, you know, a chief operations officer. And we have IT and we have CFOs and we have chief marketing officers. And we all have the customer experience. But up until about 10 to 15 years ago, we had no one sitting in that seat, no one pounding on the table saying, hold on, hold on. This new policy, this new situation, whatever you want to roll out, product, service, how is that going to affect our customer? And now they finally have someone who's losing sleep at night 
over the customer experience, making sure that hiring is recognizing the, the DNA that has to be in the new people that they're recruiting and training, that account executives support internal, external, every single department is realizing the impact they play on the customer experience and having KPIs, right, that are the return on experience dashboard that demonstrates that there's nothing that's going to move the needle, grow our company, and have a bigger competitive advantage than the experience we're delivering. Yeah, that's such a salient point. And it's something that I expect we'll see growing in our industry. Because the reality is, and this is not unique to the solar industry and the clean energy business, but referrals are often two to three X the volume of overall leads that companies rely on for that lifeblood of a new business, especially when, you know, unlike a haircut in a salon where you you expect that if you've delivered on customer service, that person's going to come back to you uh, in a month, maybe in two weeks, maybe every week. Solar, and as a luxury good that is durable for 25 years, it's not likely other than O&M they're going to come back. So this idea that you really are delivering on an experience that ensures that your customer is going to provide that referral, it really lands home when we recognize this statistic that, you know, you get two to three X more of your leads and volume from referrals than from your cold leads. Real quick, I love that. We work in a lot of industries like that and where you really don't have repeat clients, you have alumni, right? And the two major that I'm thinking of, we have injury attorneys, right? And you know, even they don't want repeat customers. They don't want to get in a car accident or having a bad surgery gone wrong. And the other industry we work with that reminds me of this is LASIK eye. You do not want repeat customer in LASIK eye surgery, right? That that would not be a good thing. And so just like you said, they're obsessed with the referrals because they can't live off the repeat clients. They both track referrals. They hold their lawyers or doctors or, or medical practices to that where they actually gauge the amount of percentage that your clients have referred. And people are losing sleep at night, making sure they're giving such an incredible experience that I know when you leave, i got to get you to tell three people about how great. And if you're not, there's a good chance you didn't love the experience you had. It's so true. In the book, again, I'll refer to it as I'm trying to pull out some of the threads that I experienced there that I feel like directly. You mentioned in the presentation, for those who maybe joined late and didn't see it, that you want to be, as a good listener, you want to be like a trampoline rather than a sponge. The quote that you used, and it's one that I'm going to be actually sharing a fair amount on social. I got to see how I can apply this to just generally, maybe even my signature. It says, a sale is something that happens while you are immersed in serving others. And I just love the essence of that because one of the things around this delivery of customer excellence and building this relationship with your clients is this fear that you have to compete with others in your industry. So by way of sort of a final thought or question, I hear all the time because we're in such a unique industry that folks are trying to compare themselves with this or that other solar company. Could you help us understand why that's a mistake and how to modify that thinking internally? You know, I hate it. It drives me crazy because it's really irrelevant how you are compared to your industry for a couple of reasons. One, right, if your industry stinks, 
being the best isn't necessarily something to brag about. It's like, say, you know, we have the highest customer satisfaction of airlines. Well, that's not too hard, right? But the other thing is, in my businesses, I've heard people say it. It drives me crazy. We're the best hair salon in Cleveland. And I get upset for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's not true. Number two, let's pretend it was. Okay, let's pretend that we were head and shoulders above everyone. Okay? It wouldn't matter because if you or your wife come in today and get their haircut, if we were open, right? If you if you came in today and get your haircut, you then don't go across the street or down the street to our six or seven competitors and compare and say, oh, my God, they're not as nice or they're not as clean or they're not as good. You don't need a hair salon for several weeks or months. So you don't know how good or better or worse we are to ourselves. But where you're going from our hair salon is you're going to meet your friend for lunch. You're going to the doctor's office. You're going shopping. And that's where you're walking into another place of business and the hostess or receptionist are ignoring you or the doctor's running 25 minutes late. No one bothered to tell you. And that's where you're saying, God, I wish this place was as great as my salon. Or you're saying vice versa. So, like, it is so irrelevant. You hire the DeJulius Group as a customer service consulting group. That means you're not working with other customer service consulting companies to compare us to. But you're comparing us to how your accountant, how your lawyer, how your sales coach is taking care of you. So it's so irrelevant how we are in our industry because people aren't using other people in our industry at the same time they're using us. Yeah, it's a very salient point and a great one for us to put a pin in as in the clean energy economy, we do consider ourselves kind of the underdogs of the energy business and so many will compare themselves instead of comparing to other industries or even other categories. They'll compare, oh, we're the best solar company in San Francisco, as you point out. And I think that it's a wonderful perspective to change that shift and say, no, we deliver the best customer experience for X or Y category broadly, not just for your narrow niche. John, I'd love to just thank you so much for the time that you've given. I know you're a very busy speaker and it speaks to your focus on relationships that you're willing to take time out of your day and help educate our tribe, the solar warriors, as we call them, that listen to Suncast, the podcast, and who are joining us here on the Suncast Clean Energy Summit for our first day of our three-day event like I said, we can thank the relationship Joe Tassone's built. He told me how great this industry is, how great what Suncast is doing for the industry. And when Joe asks, you know, I say yes. We're super grateful for that. And if you've been watching and you're curious about how you can learn more from John and the DeJulius Group, please go to their website, which is the DeJuliusGroup.com, correct? Yes. Yes. The DeJuliusGroup.com. And we've got a special offer, thanks to John and his generous team. If you use the checkout code SUNCAST15, you'll get 15% off the products that you order there. His books are fantastic, and you will learn how to differentiate yourself in a market that is always driving to the bottom dollar, how to make price irrelevant. We've been joined today as the final session for the SunCast Clean Energy Summit by John DeJulius III, the Chief Revolution Officer and President of to Julia's group, the authority on world-class customer service. John, thank you so much. Look forward to having you again someday soon on Suncast. 
Hey, all right. I am stoked that you made it through all the way to the end. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to get more of this kind of learning, be sure to tap in to what we've got happening tomorrow at the second day of the Suncast Clean Energy Summit. You can find out more again at suncastsummit.com. I'd like to know, what would you add, if anything, to the Ford Rapport building model? As a reminder, if you've forgotten, know your guest or your customer or the person in front of you is Ford, their family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. This takes the focus off of you and back on to them. If you can find two or more of these, then you own that relationship. And also remember, as John and I talked about, you are in the business of serving others. Do not compare yourself with others in your industry. That is a huge, huge mistake. We see so many people do it often in this industry. And I want to encourage you, look to excel in all categories, not just in our category. And remember, a sale is something that happens while you are immersed in serving others. I hope that you have been served a heaping helpful of entrepreneurial vision, ingenuity, inspiration, and I hope that you are poised to bounce like a trampoline, get your energy and height from this conversation. Dive back in with us at the summit, as well as this coming Thursday, when we will be welcoming in episode 251, Merrick Kubik of Fluence. We've got some exciting episodes coming your way. Hope you'll tune back in again. And remember, you are what you listen to. So thanks for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. <laughs>